You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Inflation, recession, stagflation. Just what the hell is going on? Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to another Real Vision podcast. So, what the hell is going on? We all want to know. Here at Real Vision, we've debuted a special series called Global Recession. Is everyone wrong? We've called on the world's best experts, including Juliette de Klerk, David Rosenberg, Peter Zion, Pierre Andoran, and many more, to try and help us make sense of things. These real experts will be giving Real Vision members in-depth, long-form analysis on the real stuff that's happening. Best of all, you can get access to all 14 days of Global Recession, Is Everyone Wrong?, for just $1. Yep, $1. So head to realvision.com slash global recession. That's realvision.com slash global recession to join us on this epic two-week journey of discovery. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake, and here with me today is Tommy Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. And we are also joined by Real Vision's own Ash Bennington, who's going to bring us up to date on some serious things happening in the world of crypto. So, Ash, let's start with you. So, we saw this news around Terra, the stablecoin, UST, break its $1 peg you were kind enough to sort of brief us and explain to some of us who aren't as deep in the crypto world as you are. Um, so, so bring us up to date. I mean, it is an experimental coin, so maybe not on everybody's radar, but it does seem to be raising some big questions, including whether there's an impact on Bitcoin. So what do we need to be paying attention to here? Yeah, that's exactly right, Maggie. Uh, look, this story gets really complicated really fast. Let me try and break it down for you to get the essential points to understand. Uh, so there is a project called Terra, uh, also called Luna by its uh, by its its its, its symbol uh, L U N A. Uh, there's a stablecoin associated that with it, with that usually called UST, sometimes called Terra USD. I know this sounds really complicated, but it's important for people to understand that there are a series of interlocking protocols. UST, exactly as you said, is a so-called algorithmic stablecoin. The idea here is that computer code is supposed to keep the value of that stablecoin always at $1. Uh, it has plunged dramatically uh, over the weekend down uh, as low as $0.60. Cents. That may not sound like a huge loss, but it is massive uh, for something that is supposed to stay pegged always the dollar at a hundred cents. Uh, so a 40% decline, a huge uh, decline. The, the reason that this is more broadly relevant is that there's been rampant speculation uh, that there are hedge funds, uh, one in particular, uh, totally uncorroborated right now, but speculation on Twitter, Twitter attacking the cryptocurrency complex more broadly, particularly Bitcoin. So the question is, what should people be watching? They should be watching price. They should be watching what's happening, uh, not just uh, in UST, which is now trading at around 90 cents on the dollar, so having regained from its earlier lows uh, pretty dramatically. Uh, and also, they should be watching things like Bitcoin, now trading at around $31,000, significantly, obviously, off its highs. Uh, Ethereum below 2500 a key psychological level there, now trading at around 2300 So people should be keeping an eye on price and looking to see if, if uh, we see any contagions or broader exposure in the space.
And, and that's the worry, isn't it, Ash? So maybe that some of the people who support this or behind this might have to, just like you would in a regular market, liquidate the Bitcoin they hold in in order to support it or support that peg. I mean, you know, it's not that dissimilar to, to what we see when people have to sell their winners in order to cover a margin call, for example. So right. there is some concern that this could happen. Well, what do we need to be watching and, and you know, how much are you hearing about that risk that this could spill over and create maybe more of a crisis of confidence about crypto overall? Well, we're hearing a lot of rumors, which probably isn't surprising uh, with how quickly we've seen these movements in price. Uh, but the reality is, I think it's important for people to understand that these algorithmic stablecoins are incredibly interesting from a technology expect, uh, perspective, but they are science experiments. It is extremely early. And with science experiments, when you're wading into the unknown, sometimes the test tubes explode. Uh, so this ecosystem is far less. I, I mean, the Terra ecosystem in general uh, has been around since, I believe, 2018. Uh, so this is incredibly new technology uh, in a, in a field, in a broad ecosystem that's generally uh, quite new, but really early and obviously very volatile, highly experimental people who are watching this space and particularly people who are putting money into the space need to understand just how experimental these technologies are, Maggie. Yeah, that's right. And as with everything, you know, you've got to be, you know, sized appropriately for your risk, know what you're getting into. Um, I know that we're going to be watching closely to see whether there is going to be any crossover, any any need or any downside risk from the Bitcoin price because of this. Ash, I know you're going to be all over it. We're going to let you run because you're super busy, but appreciate it. And of course, you know where to find Ash on Twitter and as well on the crypto version of Real Vision. Um, just head over to the website there and you can find out a lot more about this. Appreciate you, Ash. Thanks for having me on, Maggie. Great. So, Tommy, this is, you know, I, you know, we talked about this a lot um, earlier today because this is the worry, right? This is a volatile time. And when you see things like this happen, it just adds to that sense of, you know, people sort of waiting for the next shoe to drop and being really risk averse. Are, are, were you watching what was happening in crypto today? Did that impact you at all? Well, I don't trade crypto, but I, I make calls based on the technical work and sentiment work that I deploy across a lot of markets and I will say that uh, I did put a sell recommendation at 4100 I've been lowering my stop all the way down and the DeMarc sequential is on day 9 of 13 and it's also moved now into the fifth and final wave lower and the price objective that I'm looking at is around 25,000 if we get there we get there it could be a little, it could be a little bit more, a little bit less, but I'm really more focused on the countdown 13, which would be a buy signal and probably a pretty good buy signal. Donald's from the exchange put a question in about uh, both Bitcoin and ETH. So I hope that answered your question, Donald. Um, but Tommy, of course, the volatility and turmoil not limited to crypto. We saw equities whipped around today, really trying to come back and they're, they're successful. The Nasdaq did manage to move up about a percent. It looks like it's settling on the S&P also up about a quarter, but the Dow in the red, the, the, the Russell down a third. Um, and we saw that interestingly, the yields on the uh, on the U.S. tenure moving lower back below three percent. When we look at those markets, what are you seeing under the hood of this market action? Does it feel like equities are trying to find a bottom here? I don't have every one of my indicators exactly calling a buy 
right now, uh, but I did uh, change some of my exposure today, uh, partly because the bullish sentiment that I use uh, is at 9% bulls. It actually broke below the February and March levels. And when you get into single digits, um, and I've been on this show when it was at 90 or 91 uh, at peak levels on the, the opposite side, I know that it can't stay down at these levels for a long, for this extreme for that long. But I do have DeMarc uh, downside, sequential, and combo signals that are, let's say, they vary between day 9 of 13 to day 12 of 13. I like to see all those line up together. Uh, that gives me a lot of confidence uh, to put a long position on. But I did uh, cover some shorts today. I covered half of my SPY and Q positions. I actually covered half of my Tesla position uh, with a 9% gain. That was nice. Um, but I, I just, I'm looking and trying to game what the market reaction with the CPI tomorrow is. And that's the thing that is the great unknown of how the market will react. So if it's a lower CPI, lower than consensus, consensus is year over year 8.1 from last month 8.5. If it goes a little lower than that, I think the market will react positively. It's not necessarily the all clear inflation has been whipped. We won and the Fed's not going to do any more tightening it, the Fed is on a path to tighten, and they haven't even really they haven't started the uh, QT. So there's, I think it'd be premature to think that it's an all clear. And now the other thing that is really starting to come in in the forefront is that we're starting to see some earnings results that are a little squishy, and you're seeing a lot of sketchy, well, let's say speculative stocks that were high flyers absolutely get crushed. And I think you're going to start to see some takeover or take under activity. I think private equity is probably circling Peloton. I wouldn't get too excited about what price they're going to get for it because I think they just need capital. So that's sometimes it gets to the survival place. But my view is if we do drop, hold on. Guys, I can't talk right now. Um, Bloomberg, something's going on. Uh, if we do drop, I think that 3,700 on the S&P to um, maybe 3,800. Those have been my targets, target prices. <laughs> Wait, this is a foreshadowing of no, what's to I, come, Doc. His, his just, messages start blowing up. The stuff Yeti starts flying off the flying. desk. I'm like, poltergeist. I'm getting worried that the spirits are trying to tell us something. I know. I, you, okay. But anyway. <laughs> right when you live said 3,700, something live went TV. flying. <laughs> anyway, I think that uh, this has been a very typical bear market. And I think the market, the bear market will last longer. And it will be more severe. But it's a bear market because nothing has worked. Everything, well, except the U.S. dollar, has been hit. Even gold, Bitcoin, all the you know safe haven, non-correlated stuff, those are highly correlated. And I'm looking at gold miners going down, uranium, people loved uranium. I still think that that's probably going lower. I put that out recently. I, you know, we could get a bounce. The market is 
jittery and wants a bounce really bad. And that's not necessarily a, a, what you see at true bottoms. Um, but a bounce is, you know, if a bounce happens, um, I'll position for it and we'll take advantage of it. The, the making of the, the, the underlying internals are ripe for a bounce. Let me just preface that. We have enough that could, that could uh, spark a bounce. Uh, but I'm looking at call buying on the, what is it, the TQQQ, the triple levered psycho cues. People were buying tons of weekly calls in, on that today. I got pinged on that one earlier. I was like, oh my God, people are just dying to be in this market. And, and so what do they say, explain to people when, when you see that happening, what does that tell you? Well, I, I'd rather see really heavy call or put buying because that says that when you see that type of activity and there has been heavy call or excuse me, put buying uh, on this down move, but that's not a bearish sign. That's that's actually bullish because it's just like people are shorting a stock. You could have a put squeeze and you get a lift that I've seen happen, you know, three or four times this year that mm. it's just these things add up. And at the top, you see call buying. And it's different from some people that think that the smart money are buying calls. That No, that's actually, when you see that heavy activity, that's the wrong thing. That's just people buying in too late. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Brief. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You know, it seems like it, it, uh, this is a very, from what you're saying, a very short-term market, a very, you know, technical people truly really trying to navigate day in and day out because it's gotten this sort of murky, perhaps worrisome picture when you kind of pull the lens out. You know, for the last two weeks, we've been running a special series trying to dig beneath uh, the headlines and ask some of the best and brightest to walk us through you know, what are the risks? Are we at risk for a global recession? How is that going to impact markets or, or change the framework you work from? Um, and I want to play a clip from a conversation Raul had with Dwight Anderson from Osprey Management, who looks at commodities, who's looking at the economy. Let's have a listen to that. That world 2030 and forward that we're moving to in terms of the efficiencies of batteries and storage and you know, renewable energy and hydrogen and all of those will have had time to for us to learn, learn how to make, how to scale, to invest, do that is. Um, I also sadly really do think, like you touched on, um, that we're going to buy some time via a recession. Whether that recession is caused by some combination of uh, interest rates going up you know, quick enough, and, and I think we're almost faced with a a very stark binary decision that I'll get to in a minute. But another aspect is if you run out of calories, you can't have economic growth. Like an incremental unit of economic growth requires an energy calorie. If you have no spare capacity to that, you have to create a recession. And so some combination of the retardant economic effect of materially higher energy prices and interest rates, we are worried that the Fed has waited too long in what was a semi-artificially stimulated environment 
uh, to respond and react to that. At this point, you're almost faced to the choice of either a hard landing or structurally higher inflation, because a good amount of this inflation is being caused or has been caused by supply shocks. Yeah. Okay. And so you can't solve that necessarily in the short term with, with normal rises in interest rates. You have to actually stop the economy or that commodity price will. And you can see that full interview and the series uh, available on our website. Um, Tommy, I think this is what people are struggling with. Like, it feels like the market wants to move higher or bounce. But then we've got this picture of so many people who are kind of saying, listen, a a hard landing looks inevitable. I mean, the risk of global recession or, you know, uh, something of that magnitude is not looking good. Look at bonds. That's what it's telling us. Um, How are you thinking about that and, and commodities against the backdrop of that? Right. I think that we will have a recession. Um, we, we could be closer to a recession than many people think. Um, regardless, even if we don't go into a technical recession, which I think we will, uh, we went up uh, such a steep climb uh, with the economy, with the equity markets. Uh, I think that there is a you know, reckoning that will happen. And I do think that you're going to see... Um, unemployment start to tick up. I had, uh, actually, I track, I'll put this on uh, Twitter, but I track with the DeMarc indicators, uh, the unemployment rate, and I also track the CPI. And the unemployment rate just gave a buy signal. So in other words, I think you're going to start to see the unemployment rate go up. Now, keep in mind, it's a monthly chart, so it will take time, but it's been spot on many, many times. And the CPI is also has almost a peak exhaustion signal as well. It's just, it's kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to see a recession. Unfortunately, I think you're going to start to see the layoffs that typically come. I, you know, it's, it's a bear market and people have to be prepared and be cautious. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some questions. We have some great ones coming in. Achilles on the exchange. Uh, Tom, do you think oil and gas producers still have some upside in 2022 or are they topped out? I, I, the, I basically was looking at OIH, the oil service ETF, and it had an exhaustion 13 signal on the exact high. I did short it um, back then and I covered it like within four days because it went down really, really fast. But now it's making a lower low. And I think that with crude at 100, I think crude could go a little bit lower. And the part of the reason is I think that there's uh, the China shutdown, I think has taken a lot of crude off the market. and. That you know, we've had a, a supply demand issue. Um, I think that I think that you could see crude uh, move lower. I do have a demark uh, downside a signal countdown going lower. And it, it, look, it you can have all bets are off, as I've said uh, with commodities. If something more serious happens with mm. Russia and Ukraine, or any other type of geopolitical issue, but for right now, I think these are going to go lower before they go higher. 
Uh, El Mathiasen on the exchange has a great question. Uh, given the impact to pension plans and the continuing negative stock market trend at a critical time in baby boomer retirement, could we see Fed intervention to prevent voter fallout? Jared and I talked about this yesterday. Jared Dillian, do you see the switch from or what everyone's trying to figure out? What's the switch that moves the political pressure from inflation to, oh, my God, wealth, there's wealth destruction everywhere. You and I talked before about retail, retail investors. I think the Fed's mandate is to control inflation. And I believe that they will ignore the stock market and financial conditions. There's a bunch of factors that go into financial conditions. And one of them is the stock market. And I think the Fed, the Fed put, as they say, is somewhere between 3,500 and 3,600, and that maybe 3,700 if, if things really start to feel bad and there's some deeper economic stuff. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I don't think the Fed's really watching the equity market like they did to try and keep things moving in, in forward progress. Mm. Bo uh, from the RV side asked a great, another great question. Uh, to that point, is it about the level or is it the speed of the drop? You know, like if we get there in an orderly fashion, it feels different than if we're legging it down a thousand points at a time on the on the Dow and, you know, you know, three percent, four percent every day on the Nasdaq. Well, anytime there's a significant rate of change and it can be either in the bond market, equity market, uh, you're, you're going to see, you know, things break. And the Fed could certainly come in and do something. If we had a 1987 type crash, something where, you know, the financial markets, the capital markets froze up, I could definitely see them coming in. If it's something very sharp and fast and um, felt very out of control, I could see them at least saying something. And, you know, that that's all it really took in December of 18, uh, Powell to pivot and the markets went right back up. Do you, uh, what would you make? There was a uh, an article out today about you know speaking about th- things breaking about a uh, hedge fund Tiger Global losing seventeen billion during the technology sell off. I mean, people have been you know even even the best professionals trying to pick a bottom, trying to get in, trying to get ahead of of a turn, and and they've been wrong. Um, you know, do you worry we could see a firm or fund blow up? I mean, you talked about the M and A and companies in distress. I mean, how bad could this get, Tommy? It can get really bad. And Tiger Global, a uh, great firm. I had an ex-partner that, that was there. He was a rainmaker there, and he left in 2019. A pretty good uh, exit, if you ask me. Uh, but they're under real pressure, and so is SoftBank. And mm-hmm. a lot of these, these hedge funds and investment firms, they have a lot of private assets and they're going to have to mark those down significantly and a lot of the exit strategies for them to go public or you know merge with another company that's starting to unwind as well one thing um interactive corp which is uh, barry diller's company and they invest in a lot of different um startup type tech companies they came out and said last night uh, they're expecting tech valuations to decline even more. And that's he, they were thinking the private valuations. And they actually want that because they want to buy mm. 
more companies at a significant significant lower price than where we are right now. So I think, yeah, I think hedge funds are going to blow up. I think there's a lot of them in distress. I think there's also mutual funds that are in distress as well. They're going to, I mean, I don't understand how people keep giving the time to Kathy Wood or adding you know, more money, giving her more money, the amount of churning within her portfolio and the losses that they've had, it's just incredible. And another thing, I don't understand why they, the, the media puts her on like she's got new ideas that could work. It, I, I've never seen anything in my life where someone that's down 75% gets such attention. It just makes no sense. And you know what? I, I've, I've said this before. If she came on and said, look, I really screwed this one up and I'm sorry and we're going to reset and move forward from here with lower expectations, rather than her tout this, I'm going to go up you know, sixfold in the next two years or whatever she's talked about. It's just so unrealistic. And investors have lost a ton of money. So yeah, I do see hedge funds. I do see mutual funds and, you know, probably a lot of other investment firms. I mean, you could see if things got real ugly, a brokerage firm, mm. Robinhood, you know, that's always a risk. I know. And you, and I know you've been watching this and, you know, uh, they have survived. But again, you know, this is a long time to go in these kinds of markets um, before things catch up with you. So, um, you know, I guess that means you're not you're not buying ARC here, Tommy, which some people have been no, asking. No, but I, I, will t- I will say this. Um, it did get uh, DeMarc uh, by Countdown 13 today, and I don't want to buy it because the last two of them failed. They had very short-term little bounces, and, and then the trend kept moving this down. So, you know, one of the things with the DeMarc indicators is when, they're, when they fail, it's telling you something in itself that the trend is exceptionally strong. So I, look, I I don't want to buy a basket of unprofitable companies that are in distress, that are down significantly, and you have a lot of people on top of you that would love to get out at, at, at a little higher price. So it's no, I don't I don't necessarily need to take that risk. And I don't think people should either. It's just remember there's a guy or gal be above you that that bought it two days ago that would like to get out and you, you just there's a lot of supply up there so that, that's really that really way. important point so arc not on your long idea list it, um, could, go, it Ingo- could go up it could go up you know i i think also that the tesla looks at risk it's it's starting to break down and that's been their big stock their largest position and if mm-hmm. that one gives way i mean Elon Musk is becoming a little bit more, well, he's always been a bit unhinged, but he is really you know, taking it up a couple levels and very concerning type of tweets that he's been putting out recently uh, about himself and if he suddenly died or something. I just, this man is the richest man in the world and runs a trillion dollar company. It just, well, he it, just bought another one. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not Very quite sure to. that 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 Twitter's going to go through. 
Oh, really? And he's buying it with margin. He's he's margining his Tesla stock yeah. to buy another asset. And th there's been blow-ups, and some of the best short ideas have been when there's a CEO that's levered to the gills, and they have a margin call. And I've seen it. WorldCom was a great one. I think Valiant Pharma uh, was another one. And I, I just you're... It just makes no sense that he's levering himself up like this. He's always been levered, but now he's he's buying a big asset that really doesn't make a lot of money. I mean, it's the fact. Uh, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of fan mail on that, Tommy. So you're yeah, okay. you're brave to speak your truth, and we appreciate that. <laughs> We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, Paul English is asking, what are some of the long ideas on your watch list? Okay. I, I'm really, I, what, what I'm, what I tend to tell people when markets get to oversold levels and really beat up like this, it's a time where you can upgrade the quality of your portfolio. And oftentimes the garbage stuff will, will go up faster, but my risk tolerance, I'd rather buy, and I'm not thinking that maybe the bottom is completely in, but I bought some Amazon today and I bought Apple, I bought some Adobe, NVIDIA, you know, the the thing that happens is the standard operating procedure is that people will buy FANG stocks. And all my FANG uh, custom indices right there were up about 90 basis points to, uh, well, Apple and Microsoft combined were up 1.7%. Um, uh, so they go to towards those, and those are going to be the ones that move the market. So I don't feel necessarily great and comfortable about this whole market, but mm -hmm. I'd rather buy that than you know some of the stuff that has been really beat um, beat to a pulp. So I I'm just these are just trades. I'm not putting anything out there, and if they don't work, uh, I'll certainly be gone. Small size in this market as well. Yeah, which is important. And you've been saying that um, all along. And I think really important for people to remember. Griff asking about tech, which I think we just got an answer on some of the some of the names you're looking at. And also Planeteer, PLTR. Yeah, I I, I bought that one on Palantir, one I think, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a interesting company. I bought that on one of the dips, I think, in, in March or February, like ten dollars. And I thought this could squeeze a little bit further and it didn't. And I sold it. I think I sold it out and I made 10% on it. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a trader. I move on and look, it's been beat down even more. And I thought I'm not back into buying it yet. I think there's, again, there's a lot of distress in the near term of people that need to get out if they bought it last week and it's down significantly, people are going to be, there's a lot of supply to sell. Um, 
And you've said that a couple of times. I think it's really important for people to sort of really pay attention to that. It's not just the fundamentals of the company, which you may like, it may fit into your a narrative that you agree with, but it's also the hands that are holding it, right? If 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 people are looking to get out or there's a sense that people are stuck or looking for, for it to be quick, yet you really do have to pay attention. What about uh what about a uh, overextended stocks like Costco, P and G that are not tech. We haven't really talked about stuff that's not tech right now. How, yeah, how you I look at a that? lot of I look at a lot of um, consumer stuff as well. And I was short Costco. I got out of it a little early, um, but I was short around six hundred and got out of, again too early. Uh, if that's my big mistake, um, take profits too early. It happens, uh, but. Yeah, I was kind of looking at some of the, uh, like Lulu was starting to move today. Costco, 500, I still think is a little stretched and could could still go down a little bit more. Um, Home Depot, I've tried to trade that one. It's tricky. It's not, it usually does well in the spring uh, with the new turnover and housing. Um, what about Disney? Alexander time. asking about uh, I Disney. I like Disney. I like Disney. And I... I, I like Disney and I like travel related things. I bought, I, I've been trading really well the airline stocks. I bought them when the prices in, I think it was yeah, February, the crude prices went up and jet fuel prices went up and those got hit 30%. So I thought, okay, I know what's going to happen because the we're going to see a big, you know, push to um, fly again business flyers were starting to, I started to get checks that uh, the business class was back. Um, and I was flying a lot as well. And I saw just, I talked to a lot of people and they said, it's crazy. They're so busy. And then the the CEOs of every airline said the demand is off the charts right now. Mm. And so I bought those, I bought some more of those. Uh, I bought more exposure there, but with Disney, I like it because I think that it's been beat down unfairly. Uh, due to the uh, really due to streaming and streaming is not that big and significant for Disney. I think they're managing it well in this environment, but the stock has been murdered. I'm long the stock, not profitable in the stock at this point. I'm planning on buying more. I thought about it today. Uh, that also has a DeMarc 13 coming Oh, it is today. So we have that today on my screen. Uh, so I want to see a little bit of movement up, but the parks are going to be crowded. If people are traveling again, the Disney parks will be packed. And that, I think, will be a bigger, significant uh, issue or positive catalyst for the stock. Well, we're out of time. I'm going to sneak one more in. Uh... Tommy, and so we're heading into CPI number tomorrow. Sort of, what's your advice to investors? Because you do get the sense that everyone's always afraid to miss a bounce or be left out. What's, right. what's your advice to everyone kind of heading into that? It's going to be a big number. Well, it's too late now to adjust your portfolios, but unless you're trading, you know, pre-market tomorrow. Um, you know, the bottom line is, I think it's just, I've said this over and over, 2022 is a tactical market. You need to, you know, be very nimble, move around, be long, be short, um, and have cash when there's uncertain, you know, a little bit more uncertainty. And so you have, you build up more cash going down. I think it's, um, 
it's important just to see the reaction of how the market's going to take it. Because look, we you know the last week uh, Steve Leisman of CNBC asked a very sort of dumb question: Are you going to raise seventy-five basis points? And Powell said no, and the market perceived that as, wow, this is a great opportunity to buy for one day. So maybe the CPI will bounce for a day or two. I'm not sure. But I will say this. I'll leave you on this. I'm taking a couple days off late in this week. I have to travel um, for something that's very cool. Um, But we might see the S&P and the NASDAQ get the DeMarc by Countdown 13 on Friday the 13th, which would be... For me, that's, you know, a reason to celebrate. Right. In addition to all the other celebrating, you know, we know you're going to be doing Tommy. So have a fantastic time. um, And we'll we know you'll be watching the markets um, and we'll catch up with you on the other side of it. Thank you so much, as always. Thanks Thanks to all of you once again for all the great questions. We're going to be back all over that inflation data and back with Darius Dale of 42 Macro tomorrow. And don't forget to check out Raul Powell's new podcast. It drops today. Here's a little taste of what you can expect. Yeah, I was DJing somewhere. I woke up and boom, I was in the metaverse. I didn't know what happened. <laughs> I think the coolest thing about NFTs is that for creators like me, for writers, and I'm sure you know across the spectrum of creativity, artists, photographers, or whatever, can have a community of people who are invested in it, who are with you on this ride, and now have access to you, and you have access to them. And that's just, to me, it's it's revolutionary. Regulation has stymied the development or the adoption of digital assets by some of these large-scale financial institutions. Boston Consultant Group has a great stat on this. From 2009 to 2016, European and North American banks were collectively fined $321 billion by regulators. I mean, just an eye-watering number. I have lived through the financial crisis and predicted it. I had also lived through the European crisis and predicted it, and had been in Europe and had to buy a generator and food and get cash out of the bank and keep it at home, right? That's how close we were in Spain to losing our entire banking system. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.